and you believe in yourself and, and, and you know who you are, things will happen. It, it, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's not, it's not that easy. But at this point of your life, when you have to choose which, you know, where to go to study, if you go in something that's very reassuring and where like, you know, it's, it's more where society tells you that it's more maybe comfortable and where there's a lot of work. And it, in the end, it's not going to pay off because if, if, if you're not being true to yourself, you'll, you'll have to be yourself. So, so, so you'll have to do what you love. Hello and welcome to the Well Now What podcast. That clip you just heard was Olivier Agabi, award-winning French writer, producer, and director. Some of his work includes the captivating documentary series Pablo Escobar Told by His Son, where his small Quebec team won the trust of the drug lord's son and gained access to previously unseen images and untold stories. He's also produced Taste of Marley, following Bob Marley's son in his entourage in Jamaica. His documentary series, Interrupt This Program, won the 2017 Best Direction in a Documentary in the Academy of Canadian Cinema Television. He has produced and directed numerous other successful documentaries and even started his own creative music agency. That's just to name many of the things that he's accomplished. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. I'm here with Olivier Agabi. Not only is he a fantastic writer, producer, and director, he also happens to be my cousin. He's had such a successful and interesting career in the entertainment industry that I thought he'd be the perfect guest to have on to talk about his journey to where he is now. So please, Olivier, how did you get started? Did you always know what you wanted to do? Yeah, I, I kind of like, actually, I was really lucky to actually know that I like, I really wanted to tell stories. I, it came in sixth grade when we had to do like um, uh, speaking in front of the classes to do something. And instead of like doing the, the speaking thing, I decided to record a video and to, to like edit. Back then it was VHS, so it was like a little bit complicated. But I remember the feeling of, you know, watching the class, looking at the video and the feeling of them, you know, getting into it, laughing, uh, just getting being touched by the the video, I was like, wow, this is there was it was a breaking point for me. It was like, wow, I, I love that. I love the whole process of you know thinking about it, do, producing it, editing it, and then you know the screening, the whole screening process, and having discussion with with the people afterwards uh, that's when I knew to feel that you're like oh it's very difficult to get in um, so I wasn't having too much hope into it um, so I was I was going into uh, engineering through high school and it's actually my parents who like you know uh, stopped me for going into engineering they were like you know it's not you there's there's no way you can do this and we found a program that was was creative arts. It was about filmmaking, uh, writing stories, and yeah, I, I'm, like I felt reassured that you know there was a program that was basically made for all the, the passions that I had, and that would help me give me a path into uh, the field that I wanted to work uh, worked in. And and then uh, I went to university. I went into communication. Nice. So do you think your parents kind of saved you? Because if you did, do you think if they wouldn't have said anything, you would have continued engineering? That's, yeah, probably in many ways, my parents saved me a lot of times for myself, but, um, but they did, they did. And 
the biggest lesson to take out of this is um, to know who you are and to accept who you are and, and to fully trust uh, that the person that you are and the goal that you have and the work that you want to do, um, that if you're fully committed to it and you believe in yourself and, and, and you know who you are, things will happen. It, it, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's not, it's not that easy, but at this point of your life, when you have to choose which, you know, where to go to study, if you go in something that's very reassuring, uh, and, and where like, you know, it's, it's more where society tells you that it's more maybe comfortable and where there's a lot of work and it, it in the end, it's not going to pay off because if if you're not be, if you're not being true to yourself, in the end, you, you'll you'll have to be yourself. So 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 you'll have to do what you love and 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 you save yourself some time and do it uh, when you're young. So after university, um, what did you do after? Uh, after university, I I I was really lucky. Uh, I I was I was really lucky. The, the the one way I put it is like. One night I went out and I went to a, a rock show and I really didn't want it to go out, but I did anyway. And I met someone there uh, who, who worked in TV and I just had like a very passionate, passionate discussion with her about, you know, television and film. And, and, and she was older than me. And she said like, oh, you remind me of like my, my husband when he was younger. And, um, and she, we exchanged number and, Maybe a couple of weeks after that, she she called me and she's like, "Hey, there's this uh, there's this job at this network uh, that is opening, and I just I just thought of you. I think you should you know you should uh, you should go and and, and try to uh, to get an interview." So I did. I did like uh, in a day. I I put together my a demo and my CV and like and my bio, and I wrote to this woman at the network, and I was lucky enough to get a an interview for the position. And I got the I got the job during the at the end of the summer uh, when I finished. So after university, I worked during the summer in in uh, in a bar. And the whole summer, I was like, I knew September was coming, and like you know, it's I started to have a little bit of anxiety of like you don't want to think about it. You just finished university. But you're like kind of like, I don't know what I'm going to do when September comes, when, you know, everybody's back to like, you know, a more regular uh, lifestyle mm -hmm. and and things kind of I, I started to like to send CVs and everything. And I, and I got this interview and uh, and then I got the job for this network. OK. And what what network was that? It's a it's a French network in, in Quebec. It's called uh, TVA. It's the biggest privately owned network in um, in Quebec. Uh, so th at the time, it, I think it was. 12 years ago, they were looking for someone to do web content. There wasn't any very much like a lot of content on the web. So I came in at a time that was perfect for, for me. And, and that, that comes the discussion of, of timing, of like maybe knowing what are the required needs in the field that you're aiming for uh, and what are your, how can you sell yourself? How can you market yourself based on who you are and where the market is? And to me at this moment, it was like nobody, nobody in TV could fit, you know, the criteria to bring a, a younger vision to a, um, a platform of content that people who have been worked in TV before couldn't understand. And, and the truth be told, like I wasn't, you know, at that time, I, I didn't know that much about, uh, you know, web series, web content. It was really just starting. Like I, I didn't, I, I think I didn't have an, you know, a Facebook account. I think it wasn't even there, but I just lied. <laughs> you know, I, I just I just lied. I, I just lied about like 
what were my interests because I really understood what they were looking for. I, I, I asked questions before the interview, like, you know, what are they looking for? What's the position? What are the objective? And I market myself in that way to make sure that, you know, I would fit in, get in, and then uh, have this, this space to like, you know, be myself and explore and get to be known. After what was your first um, position there? And I know that you were a writer for um, a hit TV series after that. Yeah. So I was, I was a writer and director and producer for a, a web series. It was the first one, one of the first three ones in, in Quebec. Um, so at that time, big television network, they, they didn't know you know, what to do with this, with the whole internet thing. So basically I had like a blank page of like doing whatever I want. It, it, people didn't really care. They had like bigger uh, things to worry about. So I wrote and directed a, a web series that was like 10, every season was 10, 10 episodes around uh, five to 10 minutes. And that was it. That was my first big thing that I did. Well, and how did you know what to do? Because I guess this was your first big thing. Great. You must have been terrified. Or did you just kind of go with the flow? I, I just kind of go with the flow. There's, you know, there's the one thing, I, you know, when you look back at things, you're like, whoa, like, you're like, how the hell did I manage to do it? But it's always being really humble, I think, when you're trying new things. It's, it's to go, like, in a very humble position, knowing that, you know... Uh, that you don't know anything. And even now, like I'm speaking to you, I'm in Atlanta, we're about to do a documentary about the whole music culture in Atlanta. And, and when I'm speaking with people here, I'm like, we don't know anything. Like it's, I, we always come, come, I always come in a new project or anything saying that, you know, uh, the only, I don't know anything. I, I want to learn. And, and there's things that I know that are how like I can manage myself, like my emotions, my, you know, I have a very good rational process that, you can go through project and execute, but at the same time, uh, staying true to yourself. But I try never to get scared because once you're scared, you're immobilized. Uh, you're, you don't know what to do. And, and, and rarely when you're scared, you never make the right decision when you're scared. Any, any decision that is based, that is fear-based, will always lead you to maybe a, a long-term uh, failure. Speaking of failure, how have you dealt with failure or setbacks in your career by taking this as uh, knowledge that i can use moving forward you know i had failures in in you know in in, in smaller projects and big projects and all the time never looking at throwing the blame never being too much hard on yourself like being compassionate towards any people you're working with but compassionate towards yourself is very important i think because um, we all make mistakes and it's fine sometimes there's mistakes that can be avoided by asking people that went through it before you like what are the mistakes they've done that they would do differently so i would say ask Ask and go ask a lot of people if, if there's anything you want to do and you, you, you should look up to people who already did it and you get in contact with them and, and you try to have like a coffee, a lunch or anything. And people who have, you know, who are successful at, at, in what they've done, they're going to be more than eager to share uh, their pieces of advice. But returning to your question, I think the way I've dealt with it is just to taking a moment to understand that it was a failure or a setback trying to understand what did go wrong um, and what could be done differently and setting up a new, uh, a new plan short-term, um, moyen-term, and long-term. And what would you say is probably your greatest achievement in your career? What are you most proud of? Every time I left a position 
or when I came in a new position, there's always this, uh, I think it's my reputation. And I see, say this with, you know, without, it, it's not ego driven. It's just, I'm really p- proud that whenever projects I was in, whatever I did, whatever team I, I work with or I set up, everybody felt engaged, uh, respected, and, and everybody, you know, tried to be part of the process and found uh, a way to, you know, to shine. And that's, I, th- I think now that's what precedes me. It's like, if I get in, I, I, I work with people. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm every talent that everyone has, uh, they're going to find a way to that it shines and there's a, sp- there's a place for everyone. And it, it, it always, the whole process. Also, I want to talk to you about your documentary on, um, that you helped produce Pablo Escobar told by a son. How is it like that working with so many different personalities? Uh, it's, it's a hell of, of fun. It's so much fun. To be honest, it's, it's, nice job to have to like to travel around the world and just like meet with people and ask them questions and trying to dig to see like what's the real story there and and being told bullshit all the like sometimes and you you just keep like digging and and like you know wondering where can can we go in terms of questions and how can we tell the story differently and and you know, being in many, many different cities around the world, you're you're always fascinated by like the culture is different, the visual is different, the people are different. Are different. Um, but it's it's so nice to be able to meet so many different people and share. Those those people have so much you can learn from, like, but and basically anyone in the world. Mm-hmm. So I'm very lucky, like that. You know, um, by traveling for my work, you you get to meet people from. You know, all across the boards, and and everybody has something that you can learn from. So, if you you're talking about the Escobar project specifically, it was really difficult because like there's a lot of things they don't want you to know, and for some good reason, it was really you know to establish um, a link of confidence um, between you and the and the Escobar between me and the Escobar family was was something trying to gain the, the respect, but at the same time being able to ask them difficult question was a uh, you know, it was a challenge, but it, uh, how did you do that? Because you're trying to get some, obviously, some good content for the documentary, but you also don't want to be culturally like offensive. So, did you do any prep going into this before? Like, how did you do that balancing act of doing a good movie, but also forming like a good relationship, like being authentic? Yeah, that's a good question. You well, there's the whole preparation beforehand. You you read the more the like the more things that you can, like books. You you, you get to you watch movies. Uh, and you, we, we talked a lot on the phone. I, I went, I went first and I also went there in Colombia and Medellin for like a weekend just to spend a weekend with uh, the son of Escobar, just like hanging out, had dinners, went out and just like had some discussion and you try to get like this feeling where you, you connect, you get to know, you understand. So the question that you ask afterwards doesn't comes from, uh, doesn't come from ignorance. Like, you know, a little bit more so. Preparation is very key. You, you have to read, you have to um, to dig up, you have to have a lot of sources. Um, and so if when you start having those discussion after with, with the key subject and they, they feel that you did your work, your research, your homework, they're going to respect you for that. And, and that's it. It's all like, 
it depends which field, but when, when it's like, you know, when it's a field like this and when we did, you know, other subject, it, it's mostly the street codes that it's important. You have to, you know, you have to, you have to earn their respect and their trust, but to, in order to do that, you have to respect them and trust and trust them for real. Uh, and so it's, it's a very human process of, you know, connecting, listening, I would say listening, mm-hmm. reading, listening, people don't listen that much. People want to be right. People want to, you know, act like say things that make them sound cooler or interesting. But the real good part is to listen. And and when you listen and when you really listen, you know, when you really listen, you're not trying to reinterpret what the people are saying. Then you're able to have the right question that comes in. We all hear so often about the lack of original stories in the world. And especially like Pablo Escobar, sorry, like it's been told many times. So um, that we've seen it all before. So how do you stay fresh in like an idea like that? What made yours so different? Well, I think there's like two questions in your question. There, the one is like, it's true. Um, there's so many t- stories now. And I think what makes a good story is the perspective is to find that one character who, you know, essential to the story and nobody heard about or nobody like, you know, decided that hey, we should talk to this person. And sometimes it's not the person that history made us believe had like so much importance in, in that story. Sometimes, you know, when we look back at history, there's a lot of people that were not, you know, interviewed or people that, you know, get a chance to, to share their, their part of the story. So I would say, you know, the, the more personal you go in terms of stories, the more you're going to get something that's it's very interesting. Um, if you're a filmmaker and, and you're looking, you know, you want to tell a story, I would say the main the main investment you should you should do is to invest into research, is to dig up a subject that, that you like, that you think on a macro level the subject would be interesting for a lot of people. But then you dig and you dig and you're trying to find that key character who has a different perspective. The whole thing is going to tell you something that's very different from from everything you've been hearing. So for the Pablo Escobar thing, what we what we realize is like, oh, people do the thing that they when you go in Medellin and you want to tell the story. There's a lot of people from that time that you know, and it's totally understandable. Like they're trying to make a profit out of it, so they're, you know, they're saying a lot of things that you know. A lot of story they're sharing, they're trying to write books, they're trying to get a book deal, they're trying to have a piece in this TV series where they can say something and, and make a little bit of money. So you have to be aware of that, that, you know, uh, TV shows now, they wanna, they're want they everywhere, they want to get stories everywhere. So a lot of people know that and they're trying to monetize their place in certain stories or history. And that's difficult. So you have to use your, you know, just like your guts to know does it is does that ring true? Yeah, I would say that for the Escobar thing, I didn't like. Honestly, we didn't do a perfect job uh, because the son himself was, you know, was there's a was a lot of bias. Uh, I mean, he's the son of Pablo Escobar, so for sure he's gonna tell the side of a story that he wants he wants to be told. So after um, a lot of these documentaries that you made in film and producing, you also um, went on like an entrepreneurship journey with Cult Nation. Yes. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about that and what inspired that? I was at this network, was the creative director of uh, the whole department, was in charge of creating new TV shows and formats and everything. And I got a little bit I, it was the end of a cycle for me. I, you know, I pretty much had done everything that I wanted to achieve. We had sold like 
formats around the world and it was you know i think I, it was it was the end of a cycle and i wanted to put myself in danger I, I i kind of like i had the success of like having a good like moving on to the the, um, the ladders inside of like a network and i felt like i had accomplished everything that i had uh, accomplished at this point and i needed to be in so much danger like it was too comfortable and i i really was eager to feel more danger and risk and the idea is cult nation is a record label and the idea of the vision we had was to create uh, an entertainment group where there was there would be a lot of satellites there would be the, the, the music label there would be a content label uh for you know where we could produce tv series film and everything and that's where that's one thing that you know if, if we're talking about a setback we, we did that for three years there was me and my partner we were very vision driven. Uh, we had this vision of a group and of entertainment and, and we were, you know, we were high on the vision. We loved the vision. We, we put so much effort into the marketing, into the vision and into sales. And it was working. You know, we, we managed, we managed to, you know, we, we had uh, one artist was touring in Europe, in, in, in the U.S. Uh, some people, you know, menors, her name is uh, Charlotte Cardin. She's, you know, she's going to be blowing up very much soon uh, everywhere. And at the same time, we had a, a new TV series with in, in Jamaica with the son of Bob Marley going. We had an ad campaign for the whole Quebec uh, tourism industry. And that's where, you know, I learned that, you know, being in business, it's cool to have the vision. It's cool to have the sales power, but you need a really good back office. And that's where, like, that was the biggest uh, learning curve for me where we were like, okay, we're, we're selling, we're producing, the vision's going strong. But, you know, uh, I learned about cash flows, uh, you know, administrative uh, link with the, the banks and everything. We, we were not doing this so great because it's not part of our dna and so that's where i learned you know when when you start a business you have to have all those uh area covered when when you want to have a business that that's drive so we so that was when you were talking about failure it wasn't a failure for it was kind of failure it was an emotional failure that to to split ways because we didn't have any uh, other options financially because this is going to sound technical, but like every business runs on a specific cash flow. So when you're managing a touring business, it's a different cash flow than producing a TV series in Jamaica. And when when it's hard enough to have like one business with a really strong cash flows, but we had like four business into one cash flow, and it was just impossible to manage to to have a, a profitable business. So we had to to separate that. So speaking of money, so how much do you think? commerce and money affects your art or how much do you compromise like as a filmmaker producer because of um financial restrictions i think it's it's more than i'd like to i'd like to say um quebec is a very specific market you know when, when you're in canada if if you're in the english-speaking part of canada and you were to work in film and tv there's there's a lot of challenges because canadians you know they're gonna like. They're gonna watch American content and and feel connected to it. Of course, there's CBC and there's more Canadian content being made, but not as much as the French speaking part. Where the French speaking part, people want to have you know TV series that speaks French. They, they they don't you know watching the American series. So in the French speaking part, we're lucky enough to have a market that we can 
exploit and like have money to do things. But then it comes with the demographic where we're, we're, we're only 7 million in Quebec. So there's not the same budget as when you're in the States, for example. So you're, it's, a, it's all a balance. Uh, like, I think the answer is just like, it's a balance. You, you have to, you, there's projects that you're going to be making that you can go like full on with your vision and very, be very artistic. The series I'm doing right now, like it's a blessing. We're in Atlanta, we're interviewing rappers journalists and you know i have complete uh i can do whatever i want with the vision with, with the way we're, we're filming it with the content because it's going to be a small you know small documentary series for for this small network and they're they're really take more risk but when i work with a bigger bigger network where they have to make like those big numbers the way you incorporate a more creative vision you plan it a little bit more and and you're trying to find those you know small spots where you can be very very creative and there's the other, the other part, I would say, maybe 70% of the rest of the project where you want to give the client what he wants and the client can be either a network or the viewers. And where do you see yourself kind of like in the next like five years? What's your next project? Um, are you comfortable to, with what you're doing or how do you challenge yourself and get outside your comfort zone? Okay, so before before Christmas, I was really good running my, you know, small independent company. And we have, you know, like I told you, this, this TV documentary series going on. And there's this network that I used to work for. They, they came to me and they, they, they asked me if I went to, um, to be the head of the drama department for uh, original series uh, in fiction. And I said no. I, I wanted to, like, keep going, doing my thing. And after the whole Christmas thing, I came back and I was like, I need to say yes. Like it's a it's an opportunity, and I wasn't at peace with not saying yes. When there's an opportunity that's you know offered to you, when you analyze it, you have to analyze it in many different perspectives, like rationally in terms of like money uh, and and like logistically where can it lead you into your career, but in terms also like emotionally, like how this makes you feel and. What are the goals that you can set up that you're going to be striving to achieve? So, and yeah, so I said yes. I said yes. So that's that's going to be my next thing after I'm finished with this documentary series. I'm, I'm starting this new position as you know head of drama, and I can see myself like you know doing this for a couple of years. And what's you know what's really motivating me is to be able to attract all the talents in Quebec to come to us and 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 feel you know feel confident that when working with us their vision's going to be able to you know make it on the air that they're going to be able to say to to propose different stories and be like told them tell them differently and and to manage a team and also to manage you know and there's one part of the the job that we didn't speak too much about but the whole you know management part it's something that I really love. I, I never work by myself. I work with people that are way more talented than I am. And, and that's that's key. And I feed off those people that are very talented. And, and I think for the next, you know, maybe five years to build a really strong drama department uh, in this network and, you know, be able to put on their really strong projects that are going to be reaching a lot of people and, and moving people. That's, that's a goal uh, in my career that I want to achieve. That's a fantastic goal. So just to wrap things up, um, is there any general advice you'd kind of give to your younger self or if they want to take a more like creative route for their career? Well, the one thing that comes to mind when, when, when you ask that question, I would say to be patient and meditate. I think 
meditation has always been seen as this very like spiritual thing. But when I say meditate, it's just to take time to reflect and to silence all those voices you have inside your head and all those conflict that you have about, you know, about what's your idea of success, what's your family idea of success, what's your social surrounding idea of success and the vision that they have of you, the vision that you have of of yourself, like all this, when you put that into conflict and when you feel like you might be a little bit lost, because like you're young, you have different path that you can go to. And, you know, there's a lot of things that can, you know, go on inside. I would say, take the time, like take the time to do it. It's the best investment you can take. For my younger self, there's, there's not a lot that I would say, I would say to have more, you know, confidence in myself because I didn't have any, uh, I was just like, you know, I was just always sure that I would never make it in this in this field so i would say to have a little bit more confidence that it will happen just so you, you enjoy the ride and, and you're a little bit less anxious and always worrying that it's gonna end anytime soon would read meditate make a plan believe in the plan talk to one or two people that you look up as mentor that you know the way they succeeded is something that you, you're looking for i would book a lunch or meeting and being super like transparent about why i want to meet them i have a like set of questions, prepare for them and ask them if they can, you know, contact them one more time afterwards through phone call. And I, I would execute this plan in like uh, maybe a two or three weeks or a month. Uh, that would, you know, I wouldn't go during those that, that three or four weeks. Uh, I wouldn't go out too much. I would take time to like really be uh, with myself and think and, and, and make a plan. Well, thank you so much, Olivier. I really appreciate your time and I wish you all the best with your um, future projects. Thank you. And that was Olivier Gabi. I really recommend you watch some of his documentary series mentioned in this episode. If you can, please subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for listening.